Amen. Today's message is entitled Headline News. Headline News. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the celebration of another Resurrection Day where we pause to remember the miraculous power of God and how the Father demonstrated to us that nothing was beyond his reach. And so, Lord, we pray that as we experience your presence today, you would seal into our spirit that we don't serve a weak God. We do not serve a fragile God, but we serve a God with power. And we pray in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Florida Gulf Coast University was selected as the 15th seed to participate in the NCAA's Men's Basketball National Championship Tournament. And as a 15 seed, you know, it's great to go to the tournament, but if you're selected to go as a 15 seed, uh, that is equivalent to being banished to what I call the basketball team graveyard because a 15th seed has never advanced beyond the second round of the tournament. But on Monday morning, March 25th, 2013, the headline news in the sports world was that for the first time in history, a 15-seeded team, Florida Gulf Coast University, had risen from the grave and had advanced to the coveted Sweet 16 in the basketball tournament. Now, there was no one who believed that Florida Gulf Coast was going to advance to the Sweet 16. But can I tell you something today, that just because a a large number of people don't believe something, that doesn't mean that it's not true. Now, Paul begins in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians by saying, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel, the gospel that I preached to you and which you received and on which you have taken your stand. And this reminder was directed to people who had heard the gospel and received the gospel and are now being influenced by people who no longer believe in the resurrection. Now, I'm glad to see everybody here today. And if you are on our campus for the first time, I want to extend a welcome to you. But I'm confident about one thing. You did not get up and drive here today because Jesus multiplied some bread and multiplied some fish. Uh, You didn't come here today because he turned some water into wine. But we are all gathered here today because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now, the gospel and the gospel um, that saves us is a gospel that includes the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And just as there are many people who did not believe uh, that a 15th seed could advance to the next round of the NCAA tournament, and just as some people, uh, in spite of the evidence, don't believe that President Obama was born in Hawaii, and just because there are some people who still don't believe that Elvis Presley is dead and that Biggie Smalls is dead and that Tupac is dead, just because they don't believe it does not mean it's true. And so Paul, what he does, he writes uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 
to address the many people who did not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, let's just be honest. Let's just be honest here. Here we have a group of people who did not think that uh, it was possible for God to raise a man from the dead. Now, I'm going to be the first one to admit that it is difficult to believe that uh, a resurrection is possible. I'm, I'm going to be the first one just to put it out there. A resurrection and a dead man being raised back to life is not necessarily an easy thing to believe. But for Christians, if we can believe the Christmas story, Somebody say amen. If we can believe that Jesus healed a woman uh, with an issue of blood, if we can believe that Jesus called a lame man who had not walked in 38 years, and if Jesus opened the eyes of a man who was born blind, if we, if we can believe that God uh, can use a man uh, to raise a man, we know that God can raise uh, uh, the dead. Now, Uh, Not to believe that for the church, listen, for the church not to believe in the resurrection means that everything that we do is a waste of time. Over this past weekend, so much was happening here on our campus. The ministers did an excellent job on Friday preaching the seven last words of Christ. Somebody give God praise and thank God for our preachers. On, on, yes, on Friday afternoon, the men went out into the community sharing the good news about Jesus Christ and inviting people to come to our campus today. On yesterday, our guest welcome team hosted a free car wash in our community where they were washing cars for anybody who wanted to have that service. Our hydro ministry, our youth, we're all over the place serving in so many different venues, even going down with our abundant living ministry into the community and serving the homeless on yesterday. But you see, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, nothing that we have done over this past weekend has any spiritual significance at all. Listen, we don't preach uh, because it's nice to hear. We don't feed the hungry because it's a nice thing to do. We don't wash cars and do acts of kindness because it's nice. We do it because it's necessary. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and he has charged the church with telling the story of a savior who died and who was raised to life again. Now, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, listen, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the biggest story in world history. It is one of a series of things that Jesus did that are essential. Somebody say essential. Essential for us to be put back in right relationship with God. You see, our relationship with God is threatened because all of us are sinners. Y'all looking at me kind of strange when I say all of us are sinners. But let me define for you what a sinner is. A sinner is a person who knows what the right thing to do is, but intentionally chooses to do the wrong thing. Yeah, a sinner is not I slipped up, I messed up, I didn't know. But a sinner is a person who knows what is right and chooses to do what is wrong. And so here's what the Bible says is that everyone is a sinner. Let me just let you in on something. Your neighbor who lives next door to you in your neighborhood that you paid all that money for that house for, guess what? 
He's a sinner. Yeah, yeah. Your doctor who tells you and prescribes medicine for you, let me tell you something about your doctor. Your doctor is a sinner. Your accountant that helps you with your money, helps you with your finances, let me tell you something about the man who's helping you with your money. The man who's helping you with your money is a sinner. Your lawyer who is advocating on your behalf and trying to keep you from going to jail or spending some money or getting a contract right, your lawyer is a sinner. Your beautician that you let them uh, 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 fix up your hairdo and get you looking right for Easter morning. Can I tell you something about your beautician? Your beautician is a sinner. Your best friend forever is a sinner. Your ace boom coon is a sinner. Your tight girl is a sinner. Your business partner is a sinner. But don't you start tripping because you are a sinner too. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, in order to address this sin issue, Jesus did four things to help us out because we cannot help ourselves. Can I get a witness? In other words, when it comes to sin, we just can't get ourselves together. Paul described it like this. He says, he says when I would do good, evil is present with me. And so the only answer to our sin situation is the gospel of Jesus Christ that includes the resurrection. So Paul says in our text in the 15th chapter, 1 Corinthians, in the third verse, he says, For I received and I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried. And was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. So for your worksheets first, um, Jesus did four things for you. Um, um, Number one, he died for you. Yes, he died. He died for you. The Christian message is not just that Jesus died. But it's that he died for each one of us. He was nailed to the cross for our sins. Now, when Elvis Presley was alive, and most most of us today, you know, most of us probably have never heard of Elvis Presley. But when Elvis Presley was alive, there was, I don't think there's any entertainer who's alive today that was as big as Elvis was when he was living. And so when when Elvis was alive, one of the things that Elvis loved to do, he had this thing about Cadillac cars. And he bought and purchased a lot of, a lot of Cadillacs. So on July 27, 1975, Elvis spent $140,000 buying 14 Cadillacs for his friends and family. And then he bought one Cadillac for a stranger. And this lady's name was Minnie Person, and she was a bank teller. And so what she saw, Elvis buying these Cadillacs, she was there at the Cadillac store, and she was just looking. Have you, ever, have you all ever done that before? Now, personally, I have gone to car lots knowing I couldn't buy a car that was on the lot. And I just walk around the car lot looking at cars. Anybody else ever done that before? Because one day I might be able, amen, I might be able. And so she was there at the Cadillac uh, a showroom, And she was looking at Cadillacs. And so when Elvis saw her looking at a Cadillac, he walked over to her. And he says this to her. He said, I'll buy you one. And so he said, pick out the one that you want. And then he said this, I'll pay for it. 
And so she went and she chose a golden white Cadillac. You see, my brothers and sisters, when Jesus was dying on the cross, he knew that we were in a situation that we couldn't afford what we needed. And he saw us longing to be right with God. And he said, if you ask me, I will pay for it. And so what he did on the cross, he paid for everybody's sin, for everybody's deliverance, and for everybody's salvation. He paid for it. Number two, he was buried in a grave for you. Now, there is nothing spiritual about being buried. The significance of being buried is that Jesus went through the same thing that all dead people go through. He did not take a shortcut. He didn't say, I'm willing to die, but let me be like John Kennedy or Ronald Reagan or Rosa Parks or Hugo Chavez and let me lie in state for three days and then I'll get up. No, uh, he didn't say, let me skip the darkness of a cold tomb or the deafening uh, silence of a grave. He, he, he didn't say, give me an exemption from the isolation that comes with the territory of being dead. Uh, Jesus did not say, let me skip a step. You see, because one of the easiest ways to make a mistake in life is to skip a step. Can I get a witness? My sons used to ask me when they were, when they were little, they used to say, Dad, why do we have to make up the bed? He said, because we're just going to come back home this afternoon and get back in the bed and uh, mess it up over again. So why do we have to make up the bed? Well, if you have, uh, if you have a child um, after your older children, they won't even ask you that question. They just won't make up the bed at all. And they'll keep going. Well, anyway, they used to ask me that because what they wanted to do every morning in terms of preparing to leave the house, they wanted to skip a step. You see, and isn't it like us to always want to skip a step? I don't mind coming to church, but do I have to serve too? I don't mind marriage, but do I have to submit myself to my husband too? I don't mind giving to disaster relief, but, but do I have to tithe too? I don't mind living for Jesus, but does that mean loving my enemies too? Well, Jesus did not skip a step. He died and he was also buried. But look at this. While he was buried, he wasn't just laying there relaxing. The Bible says that while he was buried, that he preached to everyone that had died before his crucifixion. I wish I had some help. And, and, and then what he did, he, 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 he led everybody who was captive before his crucifixion into an experience of deliverance. In other words, what Jesus did, he got busy while he was buried. Can I say something to somebody just for a minute? I know you don't like your situation that you're in. I know that you feel like you're in a dark hole. But you ought to learn how to get busy while you are buried. Oh, oh, God can use us sometimes to do our greatest work when we're in our worst situation. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus was busy. In other words, he was a blessing while he was buried. Number three, he was raised from the dead for you. Now, on the first day of the week after the Passover around 29 A.D., Jesus made headline news. God got him out 
of a whole. The resurrection shows us what kind of God we serve. We serve a God who can get us out of a hole. I'm not just talking about a sin hole. I'm not talking about we serve a God who can get us out of a hole because of the sin we commit. I'm talking about a God who can get us out of a hole for doing the right thing. Let me see if I can make this plain. In other words, Jesus was not in the grave because he messed up. Can I, can I share something with you about serving God? If you serve God sincerely, I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, I can guarantee you this. Sooner or later, you are going to wind up in a hole. I'm just trying to say that when you commit yourself to God, when you buckle down and say, for God I'll live and for God I'll die, when you decide that you're going to live your life for him, eventually you're going to find yourself in a hole. You see, sin is not the only way to get in a hole. Sometimes sincerity, I wish I had seriousness, faithfulness will land you in a deep hole. You don't believe it? Moses was faithful to God and he ended up in a flood. Uh, did I say Moses? That was Noah. Amen. 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 Some of y'all saying amen. Praise the Lord. But Moses almost drowned. <laughs> amen. Well, Moses, uh, look, Moses led the people out of Egypt and the people that he delivered disrespected him. He was in a hole. David was persecuted by the man he was the most loyal to. Loyal to. He was in a hole. Jeremiah preached, Minister Ray. And he didn't get an amen nor an honorarium. In other words, he got thrown into prison. He, that was a hole. Jesus, the Bible says, went about doing good, healing all that were possessed of the devil. And where did he end up? On a Friday evening, he ended up on an old rugged cross and in a hole. But let me tell you something. It does not matter who digs the hole. It does not matter how deep the hole. It does not matter how dark the hole is. It does not matter who seals the hole up. I just want to say to you today that the God that we serve is able to get us out of a hole. Can I get a witness? You know, can, can I tell you how he does it? Well, the first thing he does is that he rolls the stone away. You don't ever have to roll your own stone away when you're in a hole for serving God. He'll send somebody to roll the stone away. And, and, and then the second thing that he will do, he will, he will tell us, he will usher us, he will give us the power to come out of that hole. You see, some of us, some of us could get out of the hole. If we did not need and have such a great requirement for the attention that we get while we're in the hole. Y'all done feeling that yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In other words, we like the attention that we get because we are stuck in some dead stuff. Yeah, you see, some people could be delivered, but they like 
all the attention that they get because they are in a bad situation. But God will roll the stone away. You see, here's the thing. If you're going to come out of the hole, you cannot wait till the crowd comes to clap their hands, to cheer for you. You got to be able to recognize that the stone has been rolled away and you got to come out for yourself. Secondly, he sends messengers to tell those who are looking for you in the hole that you are not in the hole anymore. Amen. Because by the time they come looking for you, you ought to be long gone. I wish I had some help. In other words, somebody ought to be able to hear somebody ask the question, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? Another thing, you see, when God delivers you, you don't have to say a word about it. God will announce it for you. You don't have to find anybody and tell them and come tell them to see where I used to be. In other words, when God allows you to show where you are now, you don't have to worry about where you used to be. All you got to worry about now is where I'm on my way to. Yes. Number four, fourth thing that God did for us. He appeared to witnesses for us. It says in verse 5 that Jesus appeared to Peter and then to the 12. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers. And at the same time, most of who are still living now, but some have fallen asleep or have died. And then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. See, here's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't get out of the grave and then leave. Jesus didn't say, I got mine. You got to find a way to get yours. He kept appearing to people who were also in a hole just like him. And so even right now, this is why we say we serve a risen Savior. Because he didn't stop appearing in the first century. He still shows up right now to people who are in a hole. And I would say to you that even if you're in a hole today, Jesus still has power to deliver you from whatever hole you're in. You know what Easter really is? Easter really is national get out of a hole day. That's what, that's what it is. Easter is the announcement. It is the declaration that if you're in a hole, I got an example of somebody who got out of a hole and the same God that got him out of a hole will get you out of the hole that you're in. Yeah. And finally, if Jesus did it for you, then you have to decide about him. I um, have a few bad habits. One of my bad habits, and we were just talking about this in the office, is that I love shoes and I probably spend too much money on shoes. I just, I mean, I just, I don't know what it is. I just like shoes. Amen. And I didn't used to like shoes that much, but when I married my wife, her love for shoes is contagious and I caught the bug I said she got shoes I I only had two pairs of shoes when I married her but now I helped myself a little bit that's one of my bad habits the other thing that I probably do too much is probably 
eat out too much. I mean, I love restaurants. I, I love good food. Amen. And um, one of the restaurants I love, I love Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, I love Cheesecake Factory. I love it. And, 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 and one of the things about it, now I, I go out quite a bit with my wife to eat. Now, when I go eat, usually I already know what I want. Amen. I, I, I already know what I want. But my wife's a little different. She's one of these types that tends to sit there. The, the waitress has brought you your water. It brought you your appetizers. It's come back and, you know, it said, are you ready two or three times? And, 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 and even if um, uh, the, the waitress is taking um, orders, I try to be a gentleman. I say, baby, you go first. No, 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 no. You go ahead. You go ahead. You go ahead. It doesn't matter how many people are at the table. She's going to always want to be last because she's trying to decide what it is on the menu that she likes. Let me tell you something, my brothers and sisters. If you really want to get out of a hole, you can't sit here all day. I wish I had some help trying to pick and choose on that menu. All you got to do is ask the waiter. If you don't know what to choose, ask the waiter, what is your signature dish? What is it that most people are getting? What is it that no matter if I'm blindfold, if my taste buds don't work, it's still going to taste good. What is the dish that is your dish? Because every restaurant has a signature dish. And when it comes to God, there is a signature dish. And his name is Jesus. He was born in a manger. Yes, he died on a Friday. But on a Sunday morning, he got up with power in his hands. And he has power to deliver you from any dilemma that you find yourself in. But you can't just sit there looking over the menu of religious options. You got to choose this day. You got to make a decision. As Joshua was getting ready to die, he called all of the tribes together. And he says, listen, we have some options. He says, we can serve all of the gods of the country that we are now in. The gods of the Amorites, the gods of the Amalekites, the gods of the Jebusites. He said, but let me be clear. I have made a decision. As for me and my house, and that's what you have to do when you're trying to get out of a hole. You have to say, as for me, I, I don't know what you're going to do, homie. I don't know what you're going to do, Poojie. I don't know what you're going to do, wife. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Can I tell you one more thing? You know what happens when you make that kind of decision? The Bible says that you immediately become headline news. Because the, now, no one may notice you much right here. 
But the New York Times and the Miami Herald and the Sun Sentinel and the Chicago Tribune are not the only papers. I wish I had some help. The Bible says that when one sinner repents, that the angels, oh, I wish I had some help, that the angels rejoice. All it, all, all, listen, all it takes is one. It doesn't have to be a stadium full. It doesn't have to be a church. All it takes is one. And the angels go crazy. Angels start flapping their wings in a series of praises. The angels start singing the songs of Zion because one person has made a decision. Let's stand our feet. Headline news. Jesus' resurrection is the biggest story that has ever hit the planet. But let me show you how Jesus is. He's so unselfish. He never takes all of the limelight for himself. And every time a person commits his or her life to him, they get the headline. The day might be your day for the headline. For God to write your name on the banner of heaven's newspaper. My son has come home. My daughter has come home. They just said in their heart that I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. Somebody shout from the dead. Raised him from the dead. Raised him from the dead. Listen.